0: Well, Woodlands Church, we're kicking off our new adventure that we introduced last Sunday at the pavilion that we're calling Love With No Strings Attached because most of the love we see today is love with a lot of strings attached. And we said last Sunday that there's I love you because. I love you because you look a certain way. I love you because you do certain things. I love you because you act in a certain way. And then there's I love you if. I love you if you love me back. I love you if you meet my needs. And so that's love with strings attached, but what we're talking about is I love you, period. I love you unconditionally. I love you with no strings attached. And that's what changes lives and changes relationships. And it's really the secret to genuine happiness in life. Let me illustrate it this way. When we serve somebody in love, we expect that serving to come right back to us, and so we attach the string of expectations to our serving in love. It's sort of like this tennis racket. It's got a string attached to it. Some of you are a little scared. It's, nope, there's a string attached to it. Kind of like one of those little paddle balls, you know? Comes right back. And that's the way we serve people. That's the way we love people. It's like we attach the string that I'm going to love you, but you got to love me back. And in a marriage relationship, it's I'm going to meet your needs, but you got to meet my needs. And we start thinking it's 50-50, each giving 50%. And if someone starts giving only 40% and one's giving 60%, then you're not pulling your load and we start keeping score. And it stifles the love out of the relationship when it should be each giving 100%. Next week we're gonna talk about this in a message that I'm calling tug of war. Stop keeping score because it becomes a tug of war. You're giving only 38%. You know, we we start keeping score, and it stifles the love right out of the relationship because we serve, well sometimes we just totally whiff, but we serve with a string attached, the string of expectations. I scratch your back, I expect you to scratch my back. I meet your needs, then you meet my needs. And that's called networking, that's not love. There's nothing wrong with networking, it's a great thing. But that's not love with no strings attached. Until you cut the string and you start serving, not expecting anything in return, you'll never find genuine fulfillment. It's what sets relationships free. It's what fills you with true happiness. So I want us to open our Bibles to Ephesians chapter two as we see the key passage for the whole series, love with no strings attached. And would you stand in honor of God's word I wanna welcome all you guys worshiping with us through our satellite campuses, everyone worshiping with us through our broadcast and online ministry around the world. You know, last Sunday, it was great to have one church in one location for one service at one time. It was a wonderful thing, but really, our whole church couldn't be there because we have so many that go to our online campus from around the world and worship through our broadcast ministry around the world. In fact, just Sunday, there were so many watching online, live, as we were at the pavilion, that at the end of the service, 85 people watching online prayed to receive Christ and click that, that they wanted to commit their life to Christ. Isn't that amazing? But wherever you are, we're one church. And so follow along with me as we see what love with no strings attached really is. Watch what God does, and then you do it like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. Dear God, I pray that you would teach us to love like that. And Lord, we know that we can't do that in and of our own strength because we naturally fall into selfishness, fall into expecting something in return. Lord, that's just human nature, so we need you to do something supernatural in our hearts over the next few weeks. Lord, I pray that you would work miracles in our lives, that as we hear from you and we begin to understand what you're asking us to do, that we really would love with no strings attached, and it would change, Lord, relationships, that you would work miracles in marriages and in families. And I thank you, Lord, for this church, that this church is really an army of love and compassion. It's making a difference all over the world. But Lord, make a difference in each individual heart. Bring healing as only you can. As we go on this journey to love, this risk and this adventure, Lord, we thank you, you're gonna give back to us so much more than we could ever give. But we do it, Lord Jesus, out of love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated, and I want you to underline the sentence in the middle of this passage. Observe how Christ loved us. And then underline the last statement in the whole passage, love like that. Like what? Like Jesus, love like that. Jesus, that's love with no strings attached. Well, how did Jesus love? Well, it's found in the sentence before that last statement. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. So Jesus didn't love because of what he could get. He just chose to give all of himself to us. He loved with no strings attached, and that's the way we're to love. We're commanded to love with no strings attached. We're commanded to love like Jesus. Now, I have to admit, when I think of loving like Jesus, I think, of course, as a Christ follower, I know I'm to love like Jesus. That sounds really good, love like Jesus, but I have to admit, when I think of loving like Jesus, what creeps into my mind is thinking that I'll become a doormat that people will walk all over me, that I'll be miserable, I'll be a wimp? I mean, let's be honest, doesn't that kinda creep into your mind? When you think, I I know I'm supposed to love like Jesus, yeah, that sounds great, I know I'm 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 supposed to do that, I need to do that, but what does that really mean, loving like Jesus? Most people think if they love like Jesus, they have to sacrifice their happiness and nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, Les Parrott, the psychologist, reminds us there have been numerous studies done on this and what they've discovered is that the ability to practice appreciation and love is the defining mark of the happiest human beings on the planet. When people serve others expecting nothing in return, there's a series of neurochemical reactions that get set off in the brain that just literally shower your system with positive emotions. All the brain science is showing this because they wondered why those people who are always giving and serving without expecting anything return were the happiest people on the planet. And they started finding out why by looking at the brain science and what happens in the brain that God Created us with, I mean, God wants you to experience real happiness. God designed you to desire true happiness. The problem is, if you seek happiness, you'll be really unhappy. Study after study has shown that the more unselfish or the more selfish you are, the less happy you are. And that's because selfish people generally are trying to get their needs met first. They're trying to get happy. They're trying to find happiness and their goal is to find happiness, to be happy, to do things to make themselves happy and they end up being the most unhappy people. Turns out Jesus was right all along when he said, in order to find your life, you've got to lose your life. You've got to learn to love with no strings attached, not expecting anything in return because when you do that, then you find genuine fulfillment. Until you learn to love like Jesus, you'll never really find true happiness. It's kinda like, it's tennis. Because when I serve a tennis ball, I'm not a great tennis player. I'll do a little underhand serve. There you go. That's a pretty good catch out there. Protecting yourself, okay. Oh, did I make it? Yeah, barely over the fence. No, wait, that's not a home run. A fan reached out and interfered. (laughs) Don't get me started. Oh wait, Lord, I'm supposed to love with no strings attached, that's right. Forgiveness, forgiveness. Forgive umpires in Jesus' name. Now, I served to you guys, but you didn't serve it back. I mean, you didn't return serve. I served to you guys, but you didn't return serve. Why, because you didn't have a racket. You're unable to return serve. And when you serve people who are unable to return serve, God gives you the greatest rewards. Now, a lot of times when I serve people in love, they return that serve right back with a blessing, and it's wonderful, and God says all through Scripture, that's a great thing. You know, we serve in love, and then the blessing comes right back to us in return of serve. We serve in love. The blessing comes right back to us. Happens all the time. We serve, and it goes back and forth in blessings, in a friendship. It happens all the time, and it's a wonderful thing, but when you serve someone, who can't return the serve, they're unable to do anything for you, that's when you get the greatest reward of all. God says, I will bless. You get a reward in heaven. God gives you the blessing of true fulfillment on this earth. He always gives back, but my motive must not be to receive. My motive should always be, I'm gonna give and serve to be like Jesus. And that's when we find true fulfillment. When you, in tennis, make the perfect serve, it hits that line and it's such a good serve that the person is unable to even touch it. What's that called? An ace. Well, an ace in life is when you serve someone who's unable to return your serve. That's when God said, that's an ace. That's such a perfect serve, and I'm gonna bless that beyond measure, and I'm gonna help you experience true fulfillment in every cell of your body and soul. That's what love with no strings attached is. It's expecting nothing in return. And when in a marriage relationship that starts happening, something supernatural happens. You know, and a natural marriage is the best that humans can do, but a supernatural marriage is the best that God can do, and God's best is always better than our best. It's not giving 50-50. We're gonna see next week, that just creates tug of war when you keep score. Well, I want us to look at a guy in scripture that's pretty famous. Most people have heard of him. His name is Zacchaeus, And Zacchaeus experienced love with no strings attached, and then he learned to give that love with no strings attached. Now, if you grew up in Sunday school, you probably heard about Zacchaeus through the song That little song about Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he, climbed up in that sycamore tree for Jesus he wanted to see. Those of you who didn't grow up in church are thinking, that's a weird song. (laughs) Just be glad I didn't sing it. But Zacchaeus was that tax collector. And we're gonna see in Luke 19 what happened when he encountered love with no strings attached. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to your house, because this man too is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, and he was passing through the beautiful town of Jericho. And Jericho was this amazing oasis in the desert. There were these palm trees and and water flowing through and always seemed like a a cool breeze coming through. I've had the privilege of, of being in Jericho three times, and it's still just a beautiful oasis in the desert. And because Jericho in that time was such a desirable place to live, it was also one of the most taxed towns in all of Israel. For the Israelites, they were being dominated by the Roman government, and so as the Roman government came in, took over everything, they would tax towns like Jericho for as much as they could get, but the Romans wouldn't collect the taxes. They would hire these greedy Israelites to collect the taxes. They would hire dishonest and unscrupulous Israelites who (laughs) would basically take over an area of town and they would collect as much tax as they could get from the people and and then give it to the Romans and they would keep the extra for themselves to, to really profit off the suffering of their fellow countrymen. And so the tax collectors were so despised. They were working with the enemy and they were just despicable, dishonest people who were profiting off the suffering of fellow Israelites. Zacchaeus was one of those dishonest, despicable tax collectors. He thought his wealth would bring him happiness. You know, he had bet everything on his wealth, his possessions would bring him happiness and had failed him miserably until he met Jesus. And we're gonna see three things in this story that show us how to love like Jesus, to love with no strings attached. For see, it's a really practical thing to love like Jesus. Yes, we need God's power to do it. But there are three very simple yet profound things that I have to do to be able to love like Jesus And we see them in this passage. First, see like Jesus. I've got to see people like Jesus sees people. Jesus always saw what other people didn't see. In Luke 19, 5, it says, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up. So here's Jesus coming through this beautiful village of Jericho, and as he's coming through Jericho, people heard he was on the way and they said, this miracle worker's coming to town. Jesus of Nazareth, this guy's an amazing teacher. This guy's a prophet. This guy is a miracle worker. We've gotta see him and Zacchaeus was no different. He wanted to see Jesus, but he was a, a short little guy and the crowds had all gathered in. Plus he wanted to be inconspicuous because he was despised He's probably a little bit afraid for his safety getting out in public like that, and so he climbs up into the sycamore tree to see Jesus and probably to hide in the leaves so he could see through. People wouldn't see him up there. And Jesus is coming through, and there's all this commotion, all this crowd around him, and he just stops. And he looks up, and he, and only he, sees Zacchaeus. And sometimes Jesus looks up to see us. Maybe you're climbing the ladder of success. And when everyone else looks at you, they see success. They see power. They see influence. But when Jesus sees you, he really sees you. Jesus sees the emptiness in your soul. Jesus sees your longing for fulfillment and meaning. Jesus sees you as valuable, so valuable you're worth dying for. Sometimes Jesus looks up to see us. Sometimes Jesus looks down to see us. And maybe you've hit rock bottom and buried under an avalanche of failure. Jesus looks down and he sees you. And he sees into your heart and he sees your hurt. He sees your longing for love. And he sees you as so valuable that you're worth dying for. See, whether Jesus looks up to the highest mountain to see you or looks down into the lowest valley to see you, he sees you. Maybe no one else sees you today. Maybe no one else knows what you're going through. Jesus looks right into your heart and he sees you, the real you. He sees what's going on in your heart. He sees your hurt. He sees your deepest longings. He sees you as someone so valuable that you're worth dying for. Jesus always stopped to really see people. Everyone else on the outside looked at Zacchaeus and they saw something very different than Jesus did. Look at this next verse. This describes how everyone else saw Zacchaeus. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. When everyone else looked at Zacchaeus, all they saw was a low-life sinner. When Jesus looked at Zacchaeus, he saw a hurting soul that needed salvation. Look at Matthew nine thirty six. It's one of the passages in the New Testament, and there are many of them that says, he saw. He saw. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Underline the words, he saw. Then underline the word compassion and draw a line connecting the two because compassion comes from really seeing people. You won't feel for people unless you see people. And until I see people the way Jesus sees people, I won't have any compassion or love for them. I've gotta first see them, and that produces the compassion. I heard the true story of a business executive who was taking a commuter train to work, just like he did every day. It took about an hour for him to get to work, and he would always work on things on the train to make it productive, and he, he was trying to get a talk done that he was gonna have to give to his team, and he was really working hard on that, and. But this particular morning, there were two kids on the train car that he was on and, and, and they were wrestling and fighting and yelling and just totally out of control and it was just disturbing everyone on the train. Some were trying to sleep, some were trying to get some work done, and, and, but it was just impossible with these two little ones. And the business executive said he got so frustrated when he looked over and he saw the dad of those two children just sitting there not doing anything. He said, I just got so mad when I thought, how selfish of him to not control his kids and just let them bother everyone else and not even care. I mean, what are parents doing today? Just let their kids do whatever they wanna do and, and just be totally selfish, totally out of control? He said, then finally, I came over to him and said what everyone else in the train car wanted to say and I tried to say it as nicely as I could, but I was so upset, he said, I said, sir, uh, can you cry your kids? Because they're disturbing everyone on the train. He said the the guy just kinda came out of his trance and he said, oh, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry, we just came from the hospital where their mother passed away and I guess they just don't know how to handle it and I gotta admit, I don't know how to handle it. I'm just sorta in shock. He said, and that second my whole perspective changed on those kids and that dad, I saw them. I saw them in an instant, he said, for the rest of that train ride. For the rest of the commute, he said, I played with those kids and I talked to that dad and I just felt so much compassion for them and I felt like such a heel for the way I had judged them and because I saw them. You see, first, we we've gotta see people the way Jesus sees people and then we can love people. So I, I wanna challenge you to pray and say, God, help me see people the way you do Help me see that coworker that just annoys me so much the way you do, to see into their heart, to see the hurt, that need for acceptance. Lord, help me see my spouse, my kids the way you do. The secret to parenting is being able to see your kids, what they need, what kind of love they need, and to really see what's going on in their heart and to get into their world. You gotta see people before you can serve people. And so let's pray and say, God, show me what's really going on. In Luke 19, three, it says he, Zacchaeus, wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. Zacchaeus couldn't see Jesus because the people were in his way, and sometimes people can't see Jesus because Christians are in the way. Let's be honest. Sometimes people wanna see Jesus, but they can't see through the judgmental Christians to really see Jesus. And they get stuck on a Christian they know and they can't really see Jesus because if we don't see people like Jesus sees, then we keep them from seeing Jesus. The only way they'll know is to see the love of Jesus. The only way they'll see Jesus is if we show them Jesus' love through us. The problem though is we get so caught up in our own agenda that we don't stop long enough to really see people. It says in Luke 19:1, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. That's amazing to me because Jesus was just passing through Jericho on his way to Jerusalem, on his way to the cross to save all humankind. But he stops to save one man. Isn't that amazing? You see, he was just passing through Jericho to do something really important and stopping and staying at Zacchaeus' house wasn't on the agenda. At least the disciples didn't think it was on the agenda. But Jesus never let the agenda keep him from his purpose. But we let the agenda keep us from our purpose all the time. And we have our agendas and they're, they're good. We have our schedules, our to-do lists, We have our goals, our agendas, and, and we got important things that we're going to do that we don't let the Holy Spirit interrupt us, we just keep going, and we miss our purpose. Jesus never let his agenda keep him from his purpose, and so I'm gonna challenge you, during this journey together over the next few weeks, you must stop and see people, or you will miss out on your whole purpose. Yes, you have gotta get things done, yes, you're doing important things, but the most important thing is to stop and see people and be sensitive to those holy interruptions. There's a famous study that psychologists did with some seminary students, all these people who were training to be pastors, to go into the ministry, and and they were given an assignment by their professor to write a sermon on the Good Samaritan, and to preach that sermon on the Good Samaritan, and so they had the morning to be able to prepare the sermon, they had to do it really fast, and they're preparing a sermon on The Good Samaritan, how he stopped to help the person who was wounded and hurting. And so they prepared the sermon. Then they had to come to class on time to preach the sermon and get evaluated on their preaching. But they put a an actor dressed as a homeless man, dressed as a a wounded homeless man, right by the door of the classroom. And 90% of those seminary students hurried right by, didn't even notice him, didn't even do anything, just hurried right by because they had to preach about how you help people when they're hurting. Well, that's convicting. But that's the way we are. You know, we get so caught up in our agenda that we miss out on our purpose and we miss out on fulfillment. Jesus never let his agenda keep him from his purpose. I love where it says when Jesus reached that Place When you reach that spot, see, we've got to see like Jesus and then we've got to self-give like Jesus. We've got to self-give like Jesus. Self-give is just the opposite of self-take, and we've got to give with no strings attached. Self-giving is just giving, not expecting anything in return. In Luke 19, 5, it says, when Jesus reached the spot, I love that, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, Come down immediately, I'm gonna stay at your house today. So he came down and welcomed him gladly. It looked like Zacchaeus was serving Jesus with his hospitality that day, but really Jesus was serving Zacchaeus by meeting one of his deepest needs. Jesus saw him and saw one of his deepest needs was acceptance and so he went right into his house. Jesus said, I care more about meeting your need than what people think about me. So I'm going to meet you at your point of need because you're longing for that acceptance. No one's giving you that acceptance, and you're an outcast. And the only people at your house are other dishonest tax collectors. I love you, and I'm gonna go right into your house and show you my acceptance and my love. Underline, when Jesus reached the spot, until you reach the spot, until you reach the place where you give, not expecting anything in return, you'll never find true fulfillment. You'll never experience genuine happiness because your expectations will always get in the way. Your string of expectations will get in the way. If they don't return your serve like you expect, then you get frustrated, then you get bitter, and you start playing that tug of war we're gonna talk about next weekend, but your expectations will keep you from experiencing true fulfillment. Heard an old joke about these expectations. It's about a store that sells husbands. And among the instructions at the entrance of the store is a description of how the store operates. It says, you may visit only once. There are five floors. However, there's a catch. You may choose any man from any particular floor, or you may choose to go up a floor, but you cannot go back down except to exit the building. So a woman goes to the husband store to pick out a husband. She's really excited. She gets to the first floor, and there's a sign on the first floor that says, First floor, these men love God. She goes, well, that's great. I mean, these guys love God, you know, so that's a good thing, and and she says, but I'm kind of curious, and she goes up to the second floor, and she sees a sign there that says, second floor, these men love God and have great jobs, and she said, wow, that's even better. Loving God's important. you have having a great job, and that's maybe a little more important, so, and she gets real excited. She says, wow, this is just getting better, so she goes to the third floor, and the third floor, has a sign that says, third floor, these men love God, have great jobs, and are really great with kids. And she said, well, I'm interested in having a family, so this is a really good thing. She just keeps getting better. So she goes to the fourth floor, and there's a sign that says, fourth floor, these men love God, have great jobs, are crazy about kids, and are extremely good looking. Well, she's really tempted just to choose a husband on that fourth floor but her curiosity gets the best of her and she goes to the fifth floor. She arrives and there's a sign that says fifth floor. You are the 31,456,000th and 12th woman to visit this floor. There are no men on this floor. This floor exists solely to prove that women are unpleasable. (laughs) Now ladies, don't send me any letters, no emails. I'm just reading the joke, I don't even like this joke. I don't, I don't even think it's funny. It just kind of applied, so I, I threw it in. Hey, seriously, uh, I find that it's usually, to be honest, the men, the husbands that are unpleasable or really find it hard to love, not expecting something in return. But it does work both ways. Matthew 20, 28 says for even the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Underline the word serve and give. That's what self-giving is. If anyone had the right to be served, it was the Son of God. But he came only to serve and to give. You have to understand folks that at this time when Jesus taught love with no strings attached, Roman society was really cruel. They placed no value on human life. For example, if you had a little baby girl and you wanted a boy who could grow up and help you in the fields, or maybe be an apprentice to your work and take over one day and provide for you, then you just take that little baby girl and throw her in the trash. And no one thought anything of it. That's just what they did in that day. There was no value placed on human life in Roman society. And if you had leprosy, what would they do? They would just ban you from the town and they would send you out and these lepers would form leper colonies because no one wanted to be around them. They wouldn't do anything for them. They just banished them from the town and said, don't come near. And if you were poor or sick, you were treated as if you were invisible. Women in the first century were treated as property in Jesus' day. They were constantly abused and no one gave it a second thought. And in Jesus' day, if you had kids and then you couldn't give them all the food and they were taking some of your food and they weren't being very useful, they would just send those kids out on the streets. There were thousands of street orphans and everyone thought, of course that's what you do. Too many mouths to feed. And this was what it was like. It was survival of the fittest. It was look out for number one and trample on everyone else. You gotta look out for yourself. And then along comes Jesus teaching love with no strings attached, serve people who can't do anything for you in return. He he comes along and he teaches compassion and serving and generosity and self-giving in a culture of complete selfishness. And the early Christians, they took it to heart and they started loving people like Jesus and they became an army of compassion. And it just caught the attention of the whole Roman Empire. And for these, Christians stood out in a sea of selfishness like a bright star. And people wondered, why? For you see, Christians were just a small group of outcasts and they were persecuted by Emperor Nero at the time. They had no political influence, they had no power, they didn't have wealth, The only thing they had was the power of their love and compassion. And God used that to create a wave of love and compassion that changed everything. For Christians would take all the street kids in and meet their needs and people would just scratch their head and go, why are they doing that? That's just one more mouth to feed. That makes no sense. What are they getting in return for that? Christians would go to the leper colonies and they would help the lepers at risk to their own lives and people would just shake their head going, that makes no sense, why are they doing that? And everyone knew the safest place for a woman to be in the first century was married to a Christian man because Christians were the only ones that taught that men and women were created in the image of God, equal in value in God's eyes. For you see, the Christians had no power They had no platform of influence. All they did was love like Jesus, with no strings attached. They loved the least of these, not expecting anything in return. And people took notice, so much so that within 300 years, the whole Roman Empire embraced Christianity. As Constantine became the emperor, and this wave of compassion had just flooded the Roman Empire and everyone took notice. Wow, why are they doing that? For you see, within 300 years, they changed the whole Roman Empire. And how did this little group of outcasts who were persecuted do that? They didn't do it with their preaching. They didn't do it with their music. They didn't do it with their buildings. They did it with the power of Christ's love. Loving with no strings attached. Zacchaeus saw a sermon of love live before him and he started immediately loving with no strings attached. In Luke 19:8, it says, but Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody at anything, I will pay back four times the amount. He receives Christ's love and forgiveness, he's filled with love, and he starts giving and serving with no strings attached. You see, spiritual maturity is not based on how much you know, it's based on how much you love. How much we love do you love with no strings attached? We're never closer to being like Jesus than when we love like Jesus. That's why we're doing this Love With No Strings Attached month at Woodland Church. It's a great adventure. It's not about preaching and the messages, though it's important to be here to learn from God's word, but then to put it into our lives, because on Saturdays, and you'll see at the end of your sermon notes, we got three more Saturdays. We're gathering at 9 a.m. at all of our campuses, and we've got rakes and brooms and equipment and then we send you out for a couple of hours. Some stay longer, some can't stay as much, but to do an act of kindness. And we give those little cards, and, and so we're raking leaves. Yesterday we met at nine o'clock, had a great group that went out uh, from all of our campuses, and we were raking leaves in people's yards, and they go, well, you know, how much do I owe you for that? No, I was just, because we love you, and we give them that little card. And, and then we were washing cars, and we had all of our students washing cars in the rain, which was really weird and got people's attention. It's like, what's that, you know? And the few people that came to get their car washed to go, oh, here's 10 bucks for your mission trip or oh, is this a softball team or what is this, you know? And it's like, no, we're just doing this because we love you. What? What's the catch? And we just give them that little card. And we took donuts to nursing stations. Hey, we love you. Donuts to fire stations. Um, just all kinds of different things that we have planned that some are really simple, some require a little bit of work, cleaning people's garages and things like that, but it's, hey, we love you. The only rule is you just can't take anything for it. We love you with no strings attached. And people notice. We were giving out coffee and hot chocolate in the parks. Hey, we love you. What what are y'all doing this for? What are are y'all advertising for? We love you. Oh, okay. People take notice. We're creating this wave of love and compassion. And even the little things make a huge difference. And that's why we're asking everyone to take out of your program these six cards. You've got six little cards that say God loves you, love with no strings attached. And I want you to pray and think this week, come up here on Saturday at 9 a.m., yes, but I want you to give out these six cards before that. I want you to think, what can I do as an act of love for somebody, maybe a neighbor, a friend, or a stranger? an act of love, a random act of love, and just give them one of these. And one of the things that I'm doing is I'm going through the drive-throughs, like Starbucks, and, and going through the drive-through and, and paying for the person's meal behind me and, and giving the card to the cashier to give to them. It's a great thing. Even, it's just so small, and it seems like it wouldn't make any difference, but man, it wakes people up. Wow, why? Love with no strings attached. Think of, maybe you could bake something for a neighbor and bring it over to them. Why are you doing this? Oh, we just, just want to show you that we love you. and Give them a the little card, that's it. You know, what's the catch? Are you gonna beat me over the head with the Bible? What's the catch? You know what I mean, what's going on? No, we're just gonna love you. Pray about it, say, God, show me the six people that you want me to do something for it, to serve this week, not expecting anything in return. Love with no strings attached. I've gotta see like Jesus, serve like Jesus, and the last thing is I've gotta seek like Jesus. What are you seeking? We're all seeking something. If you're seeking happiness, now remember, God put it in your heart to desire true happiness. He made you that way. The problem is we settle for empty pleasures that always leave us even more empty, and so if you're seeking to be happy, you're gonna be very unhappy. But if you seek the happiness of others, it's amazing you find true happiness. Jesus knew what he was talking about. And so what are you seeking? Are you seeking to get your needs met? You'll never get your needs met. Seek to meet other needs. Are you seeking to be a taker or a giver? No one ever remembers takers. God wants you to be a giver. I want us to Be reminded of what Woodland Church is and who Woodland Church is. We're an army of love and compassion. And Chris and I believe with all my heart we're just getting started. It's like for the first 25 years, God has been building an army of love and compassion to go through the area and around the world to show the love of Jesus Christ. And that's what you are, Woodland Church, and we're just getting started. And that's why If you join the church and go to our life class before December 31st, we're calling you a foundational member because it's like we've just been building the foundation and now the church is beginning. I encourage you, if you haven't joined the church, join today at one o'clock. We have our membership class from one to three. We feed you, we have childcare. That's how you join, it's a baby step. The Christian life is not just believing, it's belonging to an army of compassion and getting connected to make a difference. And then go to the life class. We have that every Sunday, too, and, and you know maybe next Sunday, go to the life class. Sometime in December, go to the life class before December 31st, be a foundational member as we're getting ready to kick off, really, the beginning of the church. We're an army of compassion. Last Sunday at the pavilion, we felt it more than ever that we're an army of compassion and love that's just getting started, just watch. It's an army of love and compassion. And we want you to all be a part of it. Look at the last verse. This is after Jesus said to Zacchaeus, today salvation's come to your house. I mean, you know, that's salvation when after you come to Jesus, you know, then you want to give, you want to serve. I mean, you know it's salvation when it affects your pocketbook and your schedule. Then, you know, something's happened. And... Zacchaeus came to Christ, in Luke nineteen ten, Jesus said, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. What a powerful statement. Because Jesus came to seek the lost, there's no such thing as a lost cause. And I'm so thankful Jesus saw me as a hurting soul that needed to be found. I'm so thankful that Jesus looks at us and says, you're not a lost cause, because I came to seek and to save the lost and I see you. This church is a house of hope because we point people to the hope in Jesus Christ. And that means there's no such thing as a hopeless case. This church is a house of heaven, pointing people to heaven. Jesus Christ, the only way. And this church is a house of healing because Jesus' love is healing. And he wants to bring healing to your brokenness today. Let's bow together. Dear Lord, dear Jesus, help us love like you. I know I can't do it with my own strength because I naturally look to get my own needs met, Lord, but supernaturally, Lord, love through me. Love through me, my family. Love through me, Lord, the people I come in contact with. Lord, help me stop to really see people instead of trying to just get my agenda done. And Lord, I pray for every one of us that you would help us this week, open our eyes to see people, really see people the way you do, and work miracles in lives. And as we see others and serve others and seek what you seek, Lord, I pray and I know that you'll bring us fulfillment, that you will meet our needs, that you will bless beyond measure, but help us not do it for that reason and that motive, Lord, but we thank you that you're gonna do that anyway. And Lord, I just pray for those who've never received you into their life, like Zach Kiss that day, salvation would come to their hearts today. And they would pray this prayer. Jesus Christ, I need you. I ask you to come into the house of my heart and just change me from the inside out. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I receive your free gift of salvation and forgiveness in heaven one day. And Lord, I ask you to help me love like you, to seek you with all my heart, to follow you with all my heart, and Lord, to seek the love like you. For it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.